Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the Fey people, the good people, the good neighbours. When I want oak, and my most favourite one to begin with, oak, ash and thorn, reference to the triad in the refrain of Kipling's 1906 tree song from his work, Puck of Pook's Hill. Of all the trees that grow so fair, old England to adorn, Greater on on beneath the sun than oak and ash and thorn. The song itself discusses several other trees as well. It mentions the practice of ritually welcoming summer, but the three main trees mentioned here have come to have a reputation in modern fairy law, both for protecting against fairies and as a sign of their presence. They're also very widely used in witchcraft as well for many different things. Yeah. Now we're on Oberon, one of the most well-known of the fairy kings today. Oberon owes his modern fame to Shakespeare and his appearance in Midsummer Night's Dream. However, Shakespeare clearly didn't create Oberon. He initially appeared earlier in the 15th century in a French epic romance called Huon au Boudier. Yep, sure did. Although he is a fairy king and very powerful in both stories, his description between the two accounts is very different. In the 15th century story, his form is that of a three-year-old child, although he is still a very powerful being. In Shakespeare, he is an adult in appearance. His form is tall. In the Hoa-Bodea, Oberon is described as a beautiful, even though he is small and deformed, and he appears wearing a glowing jeweled gown. His physical description is not given in Shakespeare, but his power and temperament are intense and is described as a lover of mortal women, at odds with his depiction to the French tale. In the grimoire material, Oberon appears in several sources, invoked under different guises, not always a fairy. In one particular text where he's called into a crystal, is referred to as an angel, reflecting the perhaps changing way that Oberon was understood. In other grimoire material, he may be called on to appear as a soldier or a child and invoke to find treasure, but he is also able to give knowledge of nature, healing and invisibility. The authors of the book of Oberon suggest that the fairy king Oberon is probably derived from the 12th century Germanic figure of Alberich, who was a dwarf but whose name means elf ruler. Alberich appears in the um, Nibelunglide and a poem called Neat, able to magically aid people in various ways. As Oberon, he initially appears as a tiny but powerful elfin king who was unable to bear sunlight and so shunned the daytime. There are also several familiar spirits called on for power and luck during the Renaissance with names that seem very similar to Oberon's, including Auberon or Bericom. After this, Oberon can be found in various grimoire texts through the 19th century, called as the King of Fairies, also in conjunction with other spirits. The textual material relating to Oberon can be contradictory and it's difficult to parse, with his physical appearance and backstory varying widely between sources. Even the name of his queen is uncertain 
and it changes between texts. However, what remains consistent is his power and influence. In whatever form he's being invoked, he still has those. For those seeking to connect to Oberon, his shifting nature and many different faces should be kept in mind, as well as the consistency of his power and influence. In Shakespeare's work, Oberon, Oberon's queen is Titania. I think if you know Shakespeare and his work, you'll know that. I do know that very well, Midsummer Night's Dream, because we did it as a play in school. <laughs> but other sources name his queen as Marvel Mikoil, so it does vary again there. But if you're familiar with Shakespeare, the Oberon character is what we are talking about, generally in that. Ogres. These are a kind of monstrous giant, known to eat humans. The name Ogre comes from the French for a demon or a monster. It first appeared in print in the late 17th century in a text called Conte, generally applied to any man-eating giant, but used more in literature than in folklore. Orcs. A word derived from the Latin word for death and the underworld. Orcus it's thought to be a form of the word of Olga. An obscure being in folklore, orcs were popularised by Tolkien's works in the 20th century. So they may not be factual, but still interesting. Obviously, I mean, anything that's folklore is interesting, I think. Because you just never know whether it's real or not. You go by personal pre preference as well. And I like that everybody's different, therefore everybody has a different belief. Thank you for listening to this part of the fee. That is the O section done. Many blessings. Please hit that like, share if you can, and consider subscribing if you haven't. It's all completely free, and it really does help the channel. Many blessings.